Warm Report family, it's your boy Mike G here with Caesar Walker. We got a special guest today as a part of the War Report player interview series. Um, we are going to be bringing you guys some interesting interviews from former players. Uh, today, we got King Dunlap in the house, uh, former Auburn offensive lineman from 2003 to 2007. Seventh round draft pick by the Philadelphia Eagles, finished his career out blocking for Philip Rivers in San Diego. King, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I know you tried to get me on here a couple times before you finally finally got me here. So yeah, I mean, we finally got you. <laughs> it's good to Welcome see you, with you guys. So uh, we're going to talk about a few things today. Um, there's a lot happening in and around the program uh, right now, uh, and uh, Auburn has hired a new coach. Over the last half of, of this interview, um, I want you to take us through what it's like to be an offensive lineman. Listen, man, you've done it at every level, right? And you played under a lot of different coordinators and some different systems. And some of that stuff definitely relates to what our current players are going to be going through. So I, I want you to take us through some of that. But we're going to start right now with what's happening with the program. Gus Malzan is out. He's gone. The Gus bus is grounded. Uh, you, what are your thoughts on Auburn's coaching change right now? Like, what do you what do you think about them making the change? Um, well, I was, I'm I've been a big fan of Gus for a while now. Um, you know, he's, he's done a lot of winning while he was there. Um, I was honestly surprised by the firing. Um, you know, kind of shocked, especially with the whole COVID situation and you know guys up and out. But um, you know, it's just I feel like. If you fire a coach, you have to hire a coach that's better than the coach that you fired. That's right. kind of the mentality that, you know, most programs and organizations in the NFL, you know, that's how they work. And um, as I don't know much about, you know, the the guy that we hired for Boise State. I'm sure he's a, a great man and he's done some great things for Boise State. But I'm just I, I'm still trying to get over, you know, the firing of Gus because it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch of different reasons. And I'm sure you guys have got plenty of reasons why. Yeah. Um, y'all agree with it, but uh, you know I just feel like he, with the circumstances he was put under for this year, um, I just feel like he should have gotten another year, um, just to to be able to figure it out. Especially with you know the only ball only being in his second year, um, like I said, you lose a lot of guys. You got eyes opting guys opting out. Um, the whole COVID thing. Then they start all the starting stopping with the you know positive test, and it's just. You know, at, at that age, as college kids, man, you need as many reps as you can get. That's what gets you better. So I feel like under the circumstances, um, to me, it was just a, more of a confusion firing. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I might have a little bit of a personal bias towards Gus because okay. of, um, you know, meeting him and knowing him and just, you know, d- doing the, the great things that he's done offensively. Um, but like I said, I've just um, it's. Like I said, we, we, we can't judge a new coach yet because they haven't played yet, but I'm just coming from the, the perspective of, you know, what firing, you know, trying to, you know, the circumstantial, I think my, the circumstantial part of everything of firing Gus through what's happening right now, I just feel like that was a bit rushed. Um, they could have given him another year before, before letting him go to see if he could, you know, turn around and bounce back and get a third year with both. Cause usually with, with quarterbacks, it takes, you know, that third year is usually when it clicks. Is it? Is it though? It, 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 it with with Bo being a true freshman, yeah. I mean, it's not like he had, you know, it's not like he came in and got to study, you know, and red shirted and got a year to learn and sit back and watch. Like he's, he came right in and got thrown right into it. And, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, a, you know, it's the sophomore slump, as they call it. So I feel like giving Bo a third year with Gus, I feel like he should have gotten that third year um, just with Bo alone. Like I said, and then if he couldn't, 
you know, if he if, if he couldn't get bold to, you know, not win the Heisman, but you know, to make him one of the top quarterbacks in you know, in the conference in the country, I feel like, you know, giving him another year would have given him a better chance. Now you got bold with a new coach, new coordinator, he's probably gonna get a year, maybe two if he stays, depending on how the year goes. Now he's gotta learn another new system. Right. You know, coming from like say, so, you know, he got his high school system, then the two years and then you got you know, then he's going from good. Then he's going from Gus to to this new coach who coaches a completely different system. So it's, I feel like it's given more so looking at it from the quarterback standpoint. It's given Bo a, a third year with Gus just to see if they could figure it out and turn around and you know allow the program to get healthy from the whole COVID situation. Because right. that's been a big effect on the and you know on you know on, on the entire world. You know, let alone college football. Well, the timing was certainly curious, right? Like they, yeah. they, they. If we can agree on one thing: is they wanted Gus out because they paid twenty-one million dollars to get him out, right? Like, so <laughs> it was it was an expensive proposition. Um, but you know, with you, you hit on that third year being the year kind of clicks for the quarterback, and what I really feel like did Gus in was his track record with quarterbacks. You know, every good quarterback he's had has been a Juco, right? Has been a junior college transfer. And he did have a good record. So I I feel like the powers that be didn't really want to give him that third year. You know, they were like, we've seen enough. It's time to move on. So, Mm -hmm. like, you know, here we go. New system, new coach, right? Uh, And I know you said you don't know a ton about Coach Harson, but he does run what everybody keeps screaming is a multiple offense, (laughs) right? I find the term hilarious, um, you know, and uh, you played in the league, right? You've done it. You played in multiple types of offenses. Uh, you block for a lot of different types of quarterbacks, man. You block for Vic. You block for pocket passes. I mean, you block for Brandon Cox, right? Like <laughs> you have blocked for fast guys and guys who are pretty much the statues back there. Yeah. So um, can you talk a little bit about what it's going to be like? For a lot of our, because our line was a weakness this year. Can you talk a little bit about what it's going to be like for the line adjusting from what Gus was running to this new system that they're going to be running with more pro style concepts and some different things than they've been asked to do? Uh, yeah, well, um, if you have more than one formation in your offense, then you run a multiple offense. So technically, <laughs> all right. uh, multiple. So right. I, I don't. The whole multiple offense thing doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, because it's, I mean, I'm pretty most offenses have more than one formation. So, if right. you have more than one, that's right. multiple, right? You're going to have a regular eye formation. Even if you're in the shotgun, you got, you know, two, three wide receivers, trips. Like, there's more than one formation. So, any offense could be considered multiple, multiple. offenses, unless you're just lined up in, the, you know, unless you run the wing T, you know, you line up in the wing T and that, but that's really not a thing. You know, that's, from back in our high school days, you know, we're old now, so they don't, you know, it's all the running gun stuff now. You don't really see the wing tee too much. But um, the the differences for the old, for the guys up front is um, they'll they'll get a little more rest time. They won't be as hurry, hurry, go, go, go um, during, uh, you know, during the series like that. But the biggest thing will be communication, um, which is, I mean, you can say that for any offensive line, doesn't matter what, what offense you run. But with the pro style offenses, you know, there's more of a communication aspect amongst the guys up front and the quarterback. Right. You know, with running this spread, there's not as many calls, there's not as many reads, you know, by the quarterback and the line. Um, but with running the pro style offense, you know, you know, calling out the mic, calling out linebackers, <clears throat> excuse me, calling out fronts, 
there's more of a communication aspect of it verbally. So, you know, and then, you know, if there's going to be a crowd playing on the road, then you got to take in the crowd noise and hand signals. So the biggest thing, really, first thing is the communication part is are the guys going to be able to handle, you know, calling, you know, the calling the mic and, you know, the, the, the blocking combinations and everything. Because like I said, when you're running that spread, it's usually more of a zone concept. So it's not really as much communication. You make a call as one call and then you just go. Right. With the pro style offenses, like I said, I don't know if you watch, you know, guys on Sunday, you see quarterbacks up there, everybody's pointing. Right. Talking. You know, it's very rare that you, it's very few offenses that you see in the NFL where quarterbacks come into the line and there's zero communication. Right. So, and it's not just, you know, and then the communication is not just turning to the side and getting the, you know, getting the call from the coach or the card and then everybody, you know, going and running the same play. There's still a level of communication that has to happen at the line of scrimmage amongst the players as well. So that's 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 one thing. And then just um, like I said, the biggest thing, another thing, too, is guys being able to get in the three point stance. Because usually with the spread offense, it's usually more of a two-point stance. Right. And with that being said, it's like, and then Bo being under center. I know Bo's been a particularly, um, a, a predominantly more, you know, shotgun quarterback. So him going under center, when the more your quarterback goes under center, the more offense line to put their hand in the ground to be under center, to be in the dirt. So, you know, some our guys going to struggle with that because, you know, it's a different, as far as stance and footwork and weight placement, you know, coming out of your stance, that's different too from being in the two-point and three-point stance. So, that's another adjustment they'll have to make. Um, but like I said, communication, um, like I said, being able to get in a three-point stance. And then another thing I'll say, like I said, the center quarterback exchange with being under center. If you've got a quarterback that's only been in the shotgun, like I'm sure he's been under center a few times, but predominantly in the shotgun, you know, and then you've got a center who's done predominantly mostly under center, you know, with the quarterback. So that quarterback center exchange is nothing as far as the center goes that, you know, going from a, a, a that spread wide offense to more of a pro style with come from under center. So it's a few. Those are just some few adjustments that some of the guys are going to have to adjust to make. For sure. King, talk about talk about the importance of chemistry um, with your O-linemen. There was a situation in your playing days at Auburn where you had to jump in. Uh, I think Marcus McNeil got injured and you jumped in and had to play with guys who had already established chemistry. And that was one of the big problems with Auburn this year. They got things going offensively, and then the injuries along the offensive line hit. And it kind of threw a lot of things out. Guys were playing out of position. Guys were having to learn different things. Talk about the importance for this team coming up, learning a new system, um, trying to get some um, some guys back healthy, the importance of chemistry along with the quarterback in terms of the alignment. Well, up front, um, like I said, the the five guys, you know, we're the only group of five that's on the field for every play for offense or defense. And not only are we the, 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 the highest number, we're the biggest people on the field. So having that camaraderie and that chemistry um, is, is a, you know, it's very, very important. And it starts off the field. You know, do the guys, you know, are the guys spending time together? Like, you don't have to spend all their time, but are they, you know, hanging out, um, you know, going out to eat? Um, you know, just doing, you know, doing watching film on their own, like how their interactions, you know, are off the field has a lot to do with on the field. I know in our playing days, our offensive line was a pretty tight knit group. Um, we were all pretty close all four years because we had um, well, all five years, really, because the older guys always helped out the young guys. So it was always a togetherness. So that cohesiveness and chemistry is, is huge. And so and then when it comes to, you know, the next man up mentality. Like you have to be ready. Like I said, I learned that. Um, like you said, I learned that in college, having to be ready because you never know. Um, you know, when you when you're on the team and you're on the, you see that depth chart. If you're number two on that depth chart, you're one play away from playing, right? And being right. a starter. So 
having yourself ready and prepared, um, you know, that, that also, first of all, falls on the coach. And one thing I know that that helped me out a lot um, back then was there was no time constraints or very little time constraints on the amount of times you could work out and practice and prepare in the off season to prepare yourself for the season. So just reps, like all the reps, um, you know, I read shirt and then the scout team reps and then the off season reps, just getting reps after reps. Like now I know, especially with COVID, their time was very, very limited on getting those reps in. So it's hard to develop those guys, you know, the, 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 the six, seven, and eight guy, you know, the 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 backup tackle, the swing tackle, as they call it, or the usually the backups, the backup center and guard. Usually in the NFL, they find guys that can place both guards and center as a backup because that just leaves them. If you have one guy that can cover that, that leaves more spots for other, you know, people to dress because there's only a certain amount of people you can dress in the NFL. But in college, yeah, just having that time to prepare, and then like you said, if you're that number two guy, you have to prepare like you're the starter, right? So that it starts with the coach. Does the coach, you know, inform them, the backup guys, and let them know what their role is and for them, you know, get them ready to be able to let them know, understand that they're one player away from playing. That's one thing that I, I learned with um, with Coach and all that um, I didn't realize it when I got that number two spot, like you said, behind Marcus. And I, was, I backed up Marcus and, uh, and Troy. I was playing left and right tackle. So, um, you know, I, I didn't really understand why he was always on me when I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, even though I was like, Marcus is starting. You know, I'm not really... You know, and then Marcus went down having to step in. Um, That, like, Jay, you talking about, like, that game, that job, I remember I came up to the sideline, I was like, I get it, like, okay, like, I see see why he was always, you know, why he was always on me when I was a backup. So that having, when you're that guy, you have to make sure that it it, it starts with the coach of letting these guys know, especially in college, because when they get to the league, it's more on the player. But is the coach letting them know how important their, their position is being a backup guy? And are they taking that position serious and focusing and working the way they need to right. to be able to step in? And again, that goes back to reps, you know, them having a limited training camp. You know, there's only so many hours a week they can be on the field in the offseason. So that I feel like that kind of has taken away from the developmental part. Um, you know, kind of like we talked about a little bit yesterday of developing those players. Right. That, that's that's that takes time and reps. So if you're, if you're cutting down the hours during the week, you're cutting down the practices, practices and pads. And then this was like pre-COVID. Like I'm talking, this was before, you know, they changed training, you know, training camp. You can only wear, you know, you can't have back-to-back days and pads too. So many practice, like all those practice, all that time they're taking away is reps that they're taking away from guys for them to be able to develop and be ready to step in, especially when learning a new system. So like, that's just another, you know, obstacle and hurdle. It's doable, but like I said, they've got to make sure they find the time to get that done. Um, you said something interesting, and I want to stick with I want to stick with development here because um, I feel like this was one of the biggest shortcoming of the Gus tenure was that past the one deep, it didn't seem like we had much of a plan, right? So uh, to kind of highlight the significance of the situation that you stepped into uh, to filling in for Marcus McNeil. Right. That was a first round draft pick you were stepping in. Right. <laughs> all so, so that we were clear. Right. Yeah. That was an all SEC first round <laughs> draft pick that you stepped in for. Yeah. Right. And, you know, listen, you did you did well, right? Like I, I would say that you did well. Oh, um, <laughs> but um the the having you being able to step in, right, uh for him, six nine, I think you were, were playing it. What was your playing weight in college? Was it three fifty? No, back no. I didn't get that big till I got to leave. Back then when I was probably about three fifty. 315. I okay. just had that. I wore the neck roll and a cowboy collar on my shoulder pads to make me look like I was bigger right. than I was. 
But yeah, no, I'll probably ball through. I'll ball through. Well, I mean, you certainly were the biggest guy on the field, on right. every field I've seen, right? <laughs> so I, I would say, you know, it, along with the development, I wanted to talk a little bit because this is something that our listeners don't hear a lot about, right? Um, you know, and I appreciate you coming on and giving us some insight into sure. what takes place behind the scenes, you know, the day-to-day stuff that affects the product that we see on the field on Saturdays. Yeah. So, um, as a former Auburn video guy, right? Like, listen, yeah. I, I've probably been to more practices than King for everybody listening. <laughs> you have, because uh, you, you were there the year before, a year or two before I got there. Hell, for sure. You right? You've watched, so at that time, by the time I got on campus, you had already watched way more film than I'd ever watched. In my oh, life. man. Were, when it comes to, like, watching football, as far as, like, watching it, you, you like I said, People don't really understand, comprehend the amount of hours and days and probably up to years of film that you've had to watch from being up in that tower and on those. First of all, being up in that tower and going up on those cranes, you got all the props in the world for me because I wouldn't have tried <laughs> okay. I used to look up there and be like, man, I don't like, he's a, you a real one. And then going to the top of the stadium, you know, all these stadiums being up there near the scoreboards the and being up like, because like that said, people don't understand like that end zone view, like, you up there and then you got to zoom in to get that like people don't realize how far away and how far up like you had all the you know, all the stairs and you, know, you had to climb and all the ladders and you know, and all that stuff from filming and recording but yeah like I said it's, you've watched you've watched a lot more film than a lot a lot of college football players that that played the full four years um, of college football so like I said your, your football like I said I'm your football credibility is there. You've watched enough. <laughs> You've watched enough to be a coach. Well, one of you know. one of my fondest memories was about. It's going to sound weird. Of all the football that I've watched, one of my fondest memories was actually eating with you guys. Thank you for listening to the War Report podcast. You can find more of our content on YouTube. Please go over there, click like and subscribe and hit that notification bell so you can get notified when we're dropping more content for you. We are The War Report on Twitter and Instagram, TW Report on TikTok. Now let's get back to more of the podcast. So during two-a-day practices, we had to eat, eat, eat because two-a-days isn't what it used to be. Let's let's just go ahead and say that, right? There's there's no more two-a-days. Two-a-days used to be guys passing out, right? Like it was brutal. It was summer. Tuberville didn't have y'all on the practice field during the two-a-days, was it? In the fall? Intramural field. Yeah, you was on the intramural field. And then that that was the worst part for me. Yeah. (laughs) After practice. Oh, man, it was so bad. Because the intramural field wasn't close. It wasn't like a short walk. Yeah, it was was far. But we we would go to Sewell. We would go to Sewell Hall to eat. Right. And one thing that I remember, uh, you know, and this is why this was where I was going with this is nutrition. I wanted I want you to talk a little bit about nutrition because you have played in the NFL where um, in large part there is some structure provided for you. But is it on you, the individual, to be a professional because they're paying you, you know, millions of dollars right to play now and to take care of your body. And I remember that it didn't seem like we had much of a nutrition regimen. <laughs> When you were there, and, and mind you, this was an undefeated team we had in 2004 that you were on as well, too, right? It, there was steak and potatoes, and there was all this stuff, but it, it didn't seem to have high nutritional value or any method to it, right? So, you know, um, you talked about the difference that these linemen will have going from a three-point stance to a two-point stance, or vice versa, right? How does nutrition and training 
factor into the types of systems that these guys will be coming from and going to, right? Is that going to change significantly for them under a new coach doing more pro-style type things? Uh, yeah, it probably will. Um, like you said, the whole nutritionist thing, I mean, I don't even think that was a word, um, you know, back when, you know, that was a position, not let alone, a, let alone a position. I don't think the word nutritionist existed back when we played, you know, as far, especially for me, I was being so long and tall, uh, my nutritionist was, um, you know, the strength coach. He said, "Eat everything that you see." So, right, there was no breakdown of you know carbs, protein, um, you know, fatty acids, you know, all the omega threes, all that. But now, with them having nutritionists and the breakdown in the science, like that's, you know, that's a whole, you know, that's a whole arm of the budget now. So they put, they've got the money to invest in that, and that's actually a big deal. Um, like I said, now that we know more information about it at this point compared to you know, 20 plus years ago, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's a lot different. It's more informative now. So I think it's very, very important of guys getting, the, you know, their body mass right, you know, drop getting their body fat down. You know, converting a lot of those guys, you know, they still call, they still call it baby fat because they're still kids. It's converting that baby fat into muscle. Right. Or the ones, or the ones that have a little extra body fat, you know, it's getting that, getting that, they call body mass index. All this is just getting your body fat down, reducing your body fat so you can be healthier and in better shape. So that's going to have a big, um, big part in, in the different type of offenses and schemes. Like you said, Chip Kelly was one of the main ones that brought that from Oregon when he went to Philly. You know, I didn't play for him, but just hearing some of the stuff and some of the scientific things he would have them do, that kind of spread around the league. And I think Oregon was kind of one of the ones at the forefront to kind of start to hold specific nutritionists of everybody having their, because like I say everybody's different. Every human, every human body is built different. Different things affect our bodies differently. So breaking down you know, like I said, because I know in Philly, they said he would make them pee to see how hydrated they were, and then their diet was broken down to who needs what, because some people's lacking in. Wow. Some people have an iron deficiency, and so it's like that's that breakdown is very, very, very vital. You usually don't see that. Mostly it was just, like I said, professional sports, and it wasn't really football. It was, you know, it was more like gymnastics, you know, gymnasts, figure skaters, the ones who had to actually tone their body and, and stay, you know, stay in tip-top perfect shape. You know, now that now that it's trickled into football, I think Chip Kelly, that's one thing he did bring kind of to the NFL is that that sports nutrition and breaking your body down, that's very, very important to make sure the guys are eating right, um, eating the right carbs, eating the right proteins, because that's gonna keep them in optimal shape to be able to to, you know, be the best player they can be on the field. So like I said, if it were you know, if the nutrition was the way it was back when we were coming through, it would probably been a lot more guys that played yeah. a lot longer than they did. Yeah, for sure. Even in college, let alone NFL. I said I probably would have had if I had started. I probably would have added another four or five years on my career, but it just you know we it, it just didn't delve into it at that time. Like I say, you take a guy, look at LeBron, you know guys like that spending four or five million dollars on their body every year. Right. There's a reason why he's in his 18th year, 36 years old, still taking off down there from the free free throw, free throw line dunking on people. So it's like that nutrition has a lot to do with with longevity. Um, so that, that's definitely a big deal, and I feel like. Um, like I said, if they've got the budget for it, it'll it'll definitely work. For sure. To, to piggyback off of that, uh, Mike talked about nutrition. Something Mike mentioned a few episodes ago is we was curious to see who Auburn hires as his next strength and conditioning coach. That's right. Let's talk about conditioning yeah. for an old lineman, especially what these kids are about to take on going to a new system. How important is conditioning based on your experiences as a player? It's very, very important. You know, most people see how all you just big, y'all bunch of linemen just big, fat, slow guys that, that, you know, get in the way and they're always tired. People don't understand that some of the best athletes on the field are offensive and defensive linemen. 
You know, right. it's, it's, you've got guys that are 300 plus pounds, 300, you know, 320, 330 plus pounds out there with great feet moving fast. Like I said, if you pay attention to see, like I said, it's, it's easy to run a 4-3 win 195, you know, 190 pounds. Right. It's like, you know what I mean? Try running a 4-9 at 330. Or, right. or having a 30 plus inch vertical at 300 pounds. Like I said, throw another 200, you know, throw another 150 pounds on and then, and then, and then do, and then go run a 4-3. So I said, people don't understand that, you know, being offensive lineman, being athletic is part of offensive line and being in shape is a huge part of it. We don't need to go run, you know, a bunch of miles and a bunch of sprints like the receivers and DBs because we don't really, we're rarely running straight ahead for a long distance like that. So like, we're not getting ready for a marathon. Our conditioning is, is, is always a quick, a quick, strong burst, short, quick burst, and then a short rest time. So it's like, it, it would make like the conditioning, just getting the conditioning level is, is, is completely different for offensive linemen than for, like I said, a wide receiver. And like you said, this, like I said, it will be interesting to see what, what coach they bring in. Cause I know, um, with us having coach Yox, um, Yoxel, Kevin Yoxel. Yeah. I mean, if it like, yeah, Coach Tubb was a great coach. We had great coaches as far as scheme-wise. But we went undefeated and won so many games when I was there because of Coach Yox. Coach Yox, Coach Lascalzo, Coach Walker. And then the guy that was the head coach that's been there, the head strength guy now, uh, Brian, I think his name was, he was an intern back when I was there. I remember when he first came in early, he came mm-hmm. in as an intern for an for offseason or two, but he finally worked his way up to that. So he's kind of got that Yoxel, you know, upbringing. But Coach Yox, like, even if you ask, like, see Coach Tubb, me and the coaches – Yox had just as much to do with us winning all those games as Coach Tubb did. For sure. Yeah. workouts, um, you know, registered workouts, just preparing, getting your body ready. Because like I said, that strength coach will definitely have a big say-so in how they are on the field. So it'll be interesting to see which which route he goes in bringing in, um, what kind of coach he brings in. Like I said, he might, with him coaching a pro-style offense, you know, will he reach up, reach out to a guy that has been a strength coach in the NFL and, and bring him down or bring in one of the assistants who's, a, you know, under a good strength coach for the NFL. So like I said, it'll be interesting. The route he goes, will he bring his guy from Boise with him? You know what I mean? Right. So it'll be interesting to see which which route he goes. Like I said, if he's with the more pro-style offense, it helps to have a more pro-style strength and conditioning coach. Right, exactly. Right. So um, it's funny, you know, kind of staying with this theme of conditioning. I, I remember... One time I hit the weight room with King, right? And uh, he was doing one of y'all crazy football player workouts. And I'll never forget this. It actually changed the way that I looked at my fitness for the rest of the days I've been alive. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to get down on the bench press. And King used to make fun of me. I mean, I was stronger than I looked. Right. But like King would make fun of me and he'd say, Mike, don't hurt yourself in here. We don't have insurance (laughs) to cover cover random people coming into the Chargers weight room to lift weight. Right? Um, and that 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 facility out there in San Diego, I really like that facility that you guys had out there when I'd come visit. But the I remember getting down and looking at one of the workouts you were doing and you looked me in the face and you were like, man, why do you why do you need to do any of this? <laughs> right? Like and I was like, well I mean look at you, you're strong. He was like, yeah, but I have to move three hundred pound linemen out of the way. When during your day are you ever doing this with 300 pounds? Right. I was like, you know what? I'm not ever. So I don't even know why I'm doing this. It's stupid. Right. And so my point is, is, is that you would not have to tell me that, by the way. Can you talk about a, a little bit about the importance of designing specific workouts? Right. Because we're talking about the different things these guys are going to be asked to do. 
yeah. right? And that there are training programs specific to what they're going to be asked to do, whether you're a lineman. Uh, you referenced Chip Kelly, right? He needed his offensive linemen to be a little bit lighter on their feet yep. and, right. and, and more nimble. And better, and better condition, way better condition. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, and uh, the training that they went through is drastically different in a Chip Kelly system than it would be under something different, right? <laughs> so, um, I mean, the strength and conditioning coach is he's one of the most important coaches that never gets talked about. Yes. Right. So yeah, um, I, feel like, I feel like they should change the name. He, it, they should be a coordinator. It should be strength and conditioning coordinator. coordinator. You got offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, you know, special teams coordinator, and then strength and conditioning coordinator. That should be that's where they should be on the coaching staff. Right. I feel like that's something that um, that, that they should start doing, because, like you said, it's one of the most vital coaching positions that rarely gets talked about. Everybody talks about, you know, you got a great head coach, you got a great offense coordinator, you got a great defensive coordinator, you got a great special teams coach. Well, there's a guy on the sideline, he's usually the get back guy, whatever the guy's on the sideline telling guys to get back. Right. We're the yeah. coaches because they're the only ones strong enough to hold back all those guys back. But I feel like strength and conditioning coordinators should vault up and be moved. So when they show the coaching staff, like the, co- the head coach, offense, defense, special teams, strength conditioning coordinators right there on the same level as the rest of the coordinators is that important and the specific to get to the specific workouts it, that definitely is very very important I know when we first got to Auburn um, Coach Yox kind of had a, a, a generic workout for everybody but the more he learned the, through the four years I could see him you know he was going to all these seminars and stuff he started teetering and changing our workouts to be more conducive to alignment he's okay it's a perfect example so when I first got there, our conditioning test was running 10, 10 gassers, 10, 150. I remember. 150 yard gassers. The worst, one of the worst workouts. And why would I need, when was offensive lineman ever run 150 yards? When would he yeah. ever run 150 yards? Listen, that, that bear would jump on your back around 75 <laughs> yards. I remember I used to film it. The bear don't even compensate. No <laughs> <laughs> so, but by the time I graduated, our conditioning test was 1690s, not even one tens, but 1690s. In a certain amount of time, so it was better, it was more conducive for us to run sprint ninety yard sprints than one hundred fifty yard gassers because we weren't you know we're not marathon runners first of all, but that's just part of like I said just teetering the workouts to be more specific. Like we went from doing all that running to doing more agility work, um, doing more metabolic work, um, more things that were conducive to our position. So that's one definitely it's. And now, so it's even more so like that, the position specific training, because you got all these different training facilities. And even so, I work with some high school kids here in the area this past year. A couple of my guys made all state, all region team, played a couple state championships. So just catering that workout, like you said, specifically to uh, specific positions, definitely is very, very important. Like you said, I was telling you, Mike, you have, there was no reason for you. You should have been doing the DB workout in the weight room. Yeah, for sure. Lower the weight, a lot of reps just to stay strong, keep your strength. There's no need for you throwing. You know, three hundred three plates on the bar. When you know, when are you going? What, what are you doing? That's, that's moving three hundred pounds. You know, I mean, no, I maybe I some of the speakers that you used to work with. But, <laughs> um, other than that, you know, so like I said, just having that specific workout geared towards certain players, especially when it comes to like I said, running that pro style offense. Like I said, it'll be very, very interesting to see the route that he goes um, with his staff. So, in closing, man, what what words of wisdom would you give to? the kids on the O-line going into this upcoming year? You know, if they, if they were if they were fortunate enough to speak to a nine-year NFL professional such as yourself, you're where these kids would dream of being 
what was the one thing that you would would say to these kids in terms of of getting ready for the upcoming year? Oh, well, for them, you know, normally most guys would say, you know, work hard, you know, give your best effort. I feel like that's kind of a given at college at this point. You know, it's, it's you shouldn't have to tell kids like that. The biggest thing I would tell them would be to buy in um, with, with, with having a new staff coming in, new coaches is going to be different than what you were used to. Mm-hmm. Like if you want if and like I say, even though you might not like the coach know much about him, if the guys don't buy in. This system's not going to work. Whether it's good, you know, you won't know if it works or not if the guys don't buy in. So, buy in, be there from day one, give your best effort every day. And as far as the O line goes specifically, man, build that camaraderie off the field. Spend time. Right. We got COVID going on, but hang out with each other away from the facility. Like build that camaraderie because once you do, if you do that away from the facility, once you get there, it's already that camaraderie and chemistry that y'all talked about is all it's natural. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like. If you build it away from the facility so that when you get to the facility, that bond is already there. You're just molding it and refining it at the facility when you get to actually working and grinding. So, like I said, buy buy into the system, whether you like it or not. You got to go all in, buy in, build that camaraderie and that chemistry, um, like I said, especially with the new coach. And um, like I said, man, just stay focused. It's a lot. I couldn't imagine playing college football with the way, you know, what's going on in the world right now with this COVID thing. Like, it's... Right. I said, let alone playing in the NFL, but you know, being that, just thinking back to being that age, you know, we were, you know, we you remember being that young and, and that dumb, but just, and it's already a lot to deal with. But throwing COVID, right. um, COVID into it, um, you know, it, it it can be very very um taunting and I'm sure frustrating and hard on them. So that's why I said just buy buy in. I mean, you already got a lot going on, so just buy buy into the system, buy into what he brings. And, and, and put it all out there because, um, like I said, it, it'll only help help your team and yourself in the long run. Thank you for listening to the War Report podcast. As we continue to grow, we're asking our community for help. So if you would like to support us, please visit the About section on our YouTube channel. You can also find the link on our Facebook page. We appreciate your support and War Eagle. Well, you know, um, the you were part again. You were part of an undefeated. Auburn team um, that, in my estimation, definitely would have given USC a better fight than Oklahoma did that year, and that and that blowout that we watched, right? Um, but Don't you, know, you know, uh, chemistry, camaraderie. Uh, you know, I put together you know a, a, a intro video for the games that season before yeah. the season started, and it was highlight video. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, you can go check that out. Now, you can, hands down ever this man made the best highlight highlight video i've ever seen in my life i've yet, I've yet to see one that's top. if you uh you can go check that out on youtube uh it's uh the story behind auburn's 2004 hype video um it was actually the first hype video that we ever did at auburn there were lots of copycats after none came close to my work just a little plug for myself um, but the, the, uh, in the, you know, what I saw was a lot of things that Im- the things that embodied the theme of that video was about leadership, you know, courage, attitude, you know, chemistry, a lot of things that you guys had that I really felt like is a, just as big a reason that that team was able to go undefeated. You beat Tennessee twice. Um, this is something that doesn't get talked about enough in, in our conference. Right? It, it is difficult to beat a good team twice in the same season. You guys did it and you did it convincingly twice. 
right? Um, that team was good. Four first round draft picks, you know, on that squad. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you played a role. You stepped in. Uh, you guys did a lot of things that really, um, to me, embody what Auburn was because we were part of that community, you know, uh, yeah. on and off the field. Yeah. Um, and so. Uh, King, I want to thank you for coming on. Like, I know um, I want to talk a little bit uh, in closing about um, what life has been like for you after football. Um, I know you got your hands in some things right now. Do you want to talk a little bit about, like, you know, some of the projects that you have going on? Yeah. Well, to go back on uh, your highlight video, um, like I said, the, the one that you made, the only the bad thing about it was we never got to see like if we were able to watch it while it was playing. Yeah. Like that would have gotten us even more hype, like before the game. So, you know, we would always run out after, you know, it would go off. But, you know, right. we would see it during the week. But like I said, yeah, that, that highlight video, they were, I mean, the ones that you would make for us during the week were great anyway. Like I said, you know, with all the music, I, I remember having the team meetings like we. You know, being there, the new highlights start coming on. You start seeing guys getting knocked out and touchdowns, and then you got the little John kick in. You know what? I, I have a story to tell. As a matter of fact, story time, right? <laughs> so when I started doing the weekly highlight videos, um, Caesar, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but we had a, a little known linebacker named Andrew Letts. I don't know if you remember that name. You remember Letts? Remember Letts. Right. And so, in one of our blowout wins versus Louisiana Monroe, right? Like I, I essentially how these highlights wins. I pick a five-minute five song. I remember. A, I remember what you're talking about. I pick a five-minute song, and and again, and you have to cram all these highlights into a five-minute song, and everybody looks forward to the Thursday night highlight to see their highlight from the previous week's game played, right? So let's had a tackle, great tackle. And it was, it was a knockout. It was a good hit. It was, yeah. it was, it was a good hit. And in the mess of all the highlights, I somehow missed his tackle. But then when I did show him, I got I showed him actually getting like like blindside blocked or something. <laughs> and oh man, it was oh, it was so bad. And so it was a highlight of somebody else, but he got cleaned on the blind side on the block. Right. And so uh, after the highlight show, uh Let's comes into the video room mad he was <laughs> he was he was upset uh, and he said not only did you miss my highlight my only highlight you showed this <laughs> and my boss brian at the time was just like well, andrew i didn't do the highlight and i was in the i, I was 145 pounds with college i was in the corner quiet i was like <laughs> my bad <laughs> right my bad I'll, I'll get you uh next i mean he didn't have a whole lot of highlights he was back of line for back and forth but like yeah, that, tackle, was, that, that tackle is i think it was a special team tackle that tackle was the highlight of his year yeah, yeah of his of his career yeah. and i missed it and uh um, i remember when he first i remember when he because he was uh, he was a walk-on when he first he got promoted to the starting kickoff, like he, he ended up making the kickoff team. And he would I said he loved it. He'd run down there and knock the hell out of somebody every kickoff and that like he he loved it. Like that's what that's the one the one job he had. He went all in with it. And like, he would make some great tackles, some great hits and get everybody hyped to start this. So I said this if, if you know, you know, Cody or John weren't kicking the ball or Yost wasn't kicking the ball out the back of the end zone. Um, you know, had some returns, he made some plays, but I definitely <laughs> Oh man, it was <laughs> it was Low light of my highlight career. It was a low light of my highlight career. Was missing Andrew's highlight. Um, but uh, yeah, good times. Anyway, I, I want you to tell us a little bit about some of the side projects that you have going on now. I know that um, you started a clothing line. 
Yeah, uh, clothesline. I'm actually wearing a shirt uh, right now. Uh, Rosewearco.com. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it. Check <laughs> us out for Clothing Line. It started with uh, a couple of my best friends I grew up with. You know, what I mean, just trying to help. You know, start a business, help them. You know, grow their brand, grow their business. And re- so, the reason why the where we got the logo from uh, one of my best friends, uh, my, I'm even with my homie Theo, my homie Teddy. I say Rose, he's an artist. You know, he's not a rapper, he's an artist, he does music. So this stuff is good. It's good. Yeah, yeah, check him out. Teddy Rose, every you know, you know, Teddy Rose up music on all platforms. Um he's got he just his last album is called Panoramic Soul. Uh, it's a quick little project. But you know, all his music's on all platforms. Artist name Teddy Rose at Teddy Rose Life on Instagram. Um great music. I say it's my best friend, I'm doing everything I can to help him. He was my first running back. You know, when I was offensive lineman, he's my, you know, he's one of the great running backs I've been blessed to block for. So you know, it started for football with us. We met each other. We were four or five years old. Our whole group, we've been best friends since 1990. And, you know, they're, they're, they're my day one. So um, they started with his, this was his logo for him as a music. And so we put on some t-shirts. Um, this is one of the original shirts. That's why it's so dingy. Um, <laughs> we put on some t-shirts for one of his shows and people kept asking what it was and asking about the clothes. So we just, you know, we took that, you know, change some things up um, and turn into a whole clothing line. So, like I said, we've got some things in the work. We got a launch coming out that's going to be um, the beginning of this year, uh, beginning of 2021, about mid January. We've got another launch um, that we're working on putting together. Nice to let it go. So, rosewayco.com um, is the clothing line, and then my, my homie music. It's uh, Teddy Rose uh, at Teddy Rose Life on Instagram. Uh, FTF Music Group is the name of our group. Um, like I said, I'm just and they're helping them. Um, like I say, you know, trying to help my, you know, the people I care about and, and you know, my best friends help help them build something that they can have to help, you know, them and us and, and something because they've got kids, you know, <clears throat> try to help them build that foundation and, and grow their brand, you know, like I said, and that's why I'm on here with you guys as well, helping you guys. Um, like I said, Mike, y'all been trying to get me on here for a while, um, you know, try to do what I can to, to, to help, you know, the people I care about. You know, be prosperous and be great in life. So I said the rosewearco.com, the clothes and the music with um with Teddy Rose. And then like I said, I started working with some offensive linemen kids here, uh, high school kids in the area, um, for free. So I I'm I, I really, really liked it. It helped keep me around the game, uh, keep my juices flowing and my knowledge flowing. So um further down the road might be looking into doing some personal offensive line training here um in, in the nashville nice southeast area like i said i know it's a couple guys willie anderson's got his thing a couple of the guys do their training thing so that might be something i might look into like i said right now i'm helping the local high school kids like i said i worked with um some guys that you know trent dilfer is a head coach at david lipscomb here in nashville um i work with a few of his offensive line guys and a couple of the kids in the area so um that's just kids that keeps me around the game i i I might get into coaching once my kids get, you know, once my kids get on and grown and I have the time to time. Coaching is so time consuming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with me being a former player and all, and, you know, and having kids in college and, you know, the kids, all they knew was football, daddy and football from the day they were born. So now that I've been retired, I've got more time to, you know, to spend time with them and be more of a dad. And so I'm trying to catch up on that before I go back into coaching and spend all that time away. Right. And make, making the kids, um, you know, the most important thing. So eventually I'll probably get back into more specific offensive line training. Like you said, that position specific training rather than actually coaching. Cause I could help more kids training them with coaching. I just got my guy, you know, you can only coach your guys. Right. But with the training, then you can, you know, coach more of a race. So that's something that, you know, maybe four or five years down the line, once my kids who are basically grown now. Um, yeah. They're grown. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah. Don't ever have kids. Uh, <laughs> they, um, 
you know, once they get a little older and on to, you know, into college and stuff, it might be something I get back into. But yeah, man, the roseworkhole.com, I said, we've got a big, we've got a launch. We're starting a new year off. Big launch coming mid-January. So be on the lookout for that. Um, at Teddy Rose Life, my buddy with the music. And uh, like I said, man, he's trying to make 2021 a great year. Uh, bounce back from this thing that we're leaving. Yeah, for sure. Right. Well, and I got to say. I gotta say, favorite Teddy Rose song, "Caught by the Peace." Go check that out on Man. iTunes. That 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 goes hard. I'm not gonna lie, I wrote that that pretty Listen, hard. After you said that, that, because that's gonna be a big part of the push we do with this new merch drop. That's our. We, he made that song for um for the merch. He made it before we actually started with the merch stuff. So he didn't. It wasn't. He wasn't making that with that in mind. But which is why, which I love it even more so because now we can apply it. But "Caught by the Peace." Cop by the peaks. Yeah, that might be our anthem for 2021 for So Listen, I'm I love it. It is part of our marketing, but it might <laughs> might be right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, King, thanks for joining us. As always, thanks so much, bro. Yep, thanks as- for having me, man. I miss you guys. I miss hey. you guys. Man. It's been it's been a while since we used to ride around banging out in Cadillac way back in the day. <laughs> Cadillac. You, know I mean? you, know, you was able to get in that car. I he drove to, it. I used to drive it. Drove it. Drove it. What do you mean? I drove it. Drove it. Man. We used to go stunting. We used to go stunting up at Sewell Hall, all uh, up and forth. <laughs> you know, yeah. park, parking in the parking in the uh, in the B lot instead of the C lot, you know? <laughs> my uh my car leans to the left now after King drove it. Because he, he just sits on one side and it went like this and it just never drove the same end. Anyway. That Cadillac was sturdy. It was. It was. We packed. It's been some nights, some days where we packed more. We packed more body weight than we're supposed to be in that vehicle. <laughs> definitely, definitely, <laughs> for sure. Well, especially when we were neighbors. Well, uh, King, again, thanks for joining us. Um, as always, we are the War Report. Uh, we're going to be coming at you guys with more content like this. We got more interviews coming up, so please click like and subscribe. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube so you can know when we're going live or dropping content for you. We are the War Report on Twitter and Instagram, TW Report on TikTok. So we're signing off, guys. As always, War Eagle. <laughs>